Good morning, guys. I do want to encourage you to uh, think about signing up for the Wednesday night classes. And if you would like to think about signing up for the real man class, I get really frustrated on two accounts. I get really frustrated with the world for the way that they either attack masculinity or they try to like to turn it into something that it's not even recognizable anymore. But I also get frustrated with the church on two accounts that we either don't speak to it or in like this, this, we swing to this extreme other side and we're like beating our chest and, you know, like grunting and turning masculinity into like this muchacho weird thing. I mean, I've been to men's retreats where guys are yelling at you and like, I'm like, what, what are we even doing? And so I want to spend eight weeks of having some like real conversation about what does it mean to be a real man? And I can't think of anybody more masculine with greater strength than Jesus. And we're going to look at, at how Jesus lived his life. And we're going to talk about things like friendship, uh, fatherhood, marriage, uh, courage, integrity, uh, compassion, all things that are they're rooted in the heart of a man that I am disappointed that, at least in my life, have not gotten a lot of this reinforced in the world or in church. And so I, I felt compelled to do something about that. So we're going to have some conversation about what that looks like. So I'd encourage you, if you want to be a part of something like that, that you sign up. I'm excited about doing that. Um, I also want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the message from last Sunday, that you go back and do that. And if you did, or if you're going to, I challenge you to join me for 30 days praying the nine prayers. You know, you can do it, if you do it every day, it can take 30 seconds to a minute. Just keep it in front of you. Uh, stick it in your Bible, write it out, stick it in your Bible, and let's pray through this. Uh, you know, it's probably not going to make a difference in two or three days. It might even get worse as you begin to engage in the spiritual battle for your heart. Uh, you, you might find yourself, uh, as you pray for, God, give me eyes to see uh, your love for me and others because I want to be more patient. It might be that you have opportunities to be patient that you're not quite ready for, and it's going to be more difficult. And so we want to engage for the full 30 days. But I'm actually not going to talk about that this morning. I want to dive into a few other little things, and I want to uh, give you some time for table discussion today. So we're going to start off in Romans 8, 28, where we touched on Sunday just a little bit. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, we love that. We all want God to work for our good. You know, and we talked about Sunday a little bit. Like, does that mean that I get the promotion? Does that mean that I get the raise? Does that mean I get that new job? Does that mean that the uh, annoying coworker down the hall goes away? Well, what does that look like? And then God defines that in the very next verse. What does it mean that God works for good? Well, it means that for those God foreknew, 
he also predestined him to be what? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That God uses all things, if you're taking notes, including work for the good of those called to his purpose. Now, a couple of things about this. Now, God is a good God. He cannot do anything that's not good. But he has a purpose that he is living out, and he's engaging that purpose and moving in the lives of people who are called according to that purpose. You know, God's not just a fairy. He's not a vending machine. He's not just going out, handing out things that people want. But he's doing good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's always about God's purpose. And there comes a moment in a, a man's life where you have got to make a decision that I'm either going to live for God's purpose or I'm going to live for my pleasure. And most of the time, the two don't go together. And I've discovered this principle that as we pursue happiness in life, we tend to miss God and happiness. But if we will pursue God's purpose, we tend to find real joy and God. And we've got to make a decision on what we're going to pursue. And understand that God's ultimate purpose is to make me like his son Jesus. And God's going to use work. And I, we talked about this first week. Work doesn't just mean what you get paid to do. If you're retired uh, or no longer working for whatever reason, you still have a work to do. Uh, I've, I've read through the Bible three or four times, and I still haven't found retirement uh, where it's listed in the Bible. It doesn't exist. We always have a work to do while we're on this earth, and God has a purpose in it, and his purpose is to make us like Jesus, which means sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. So God has a purpose in my work. He wants to make me wiser, stronger, more loving. He wants to build endurance. Maybe he wants to position me for the next thing, relationally or circumstantially or build an ability in me. Maybe he wants to test me in faith and obedience for my spiritual development. And I think about in my life this one season where I saw this really happening at a heightened level. Uh, I had been doing youth ministry for 10 years and had kind of reached the, the height of what I thought it would be. Uh, things were going amazing. I had, you know, tons of students and had a great reputation in the town and had a, a very large church, larger than Getwell, had reached out to me and said, hey, we see what you're doing. We'd love for you to be a, come be a part of what we've got going on here and you'll have a big team, and you'll get to travel, and we're going to support you in doing some writing. And I'm like, man, like, I have arrived. Like, this is, this is awesome. And I started thinking about it, and, and God was just like an emphatic no. Like, this is not what I want you to do. And I thought, like, I'm missing something. So I started, I reached out to some guys that I trusted, and I was like, hey, will you give me some wisdom and advice? Like, I've got this opportunity. And they're like, and I'm just hearing a no from God on that. Like, like, man, and I didn't understand what was going on. And so I was like praying about it. I was like, God, what is it you are trying to tell me? And I wasn't sleeping and I was wrestling with it. And, and finally I heard God say, it's time for you to step into something else. And I was like, why would you tell me that? Like, I'm killing it. Like, things are going great. And he's like, it's time for you to do something different. 
So at the time, I was a United Methodist pastor, and I went to uh, my district superintendent, and I said, I don't know what God's telling me to do, so you just put me wherever you need me. And I ended up the senior pastor of a small first church that was uh, rebuilding. They were kind of revamping and restarting. They were really close to dying out. And the conference told me that I was going there to do what was needed to rebirth the church. They just didn't tell the church that. And so it was, it was a big struggle for us. And, and I, I, was, I was upset with God. I was frustrated. I was like, how could you put me here? And I could talk about all the things that happened that, and you would, you know, realize. But I was like, man, God, what is going on? And I didn't realize the tremendous amount of growth that God needed to do in me and the immaturity that I came to that with that God needed to put me in a pressure cooker so that I could be in a position to be molded and shaped by him. And so th those things were happening, and, and I was growing quickly and realizing what, you know, I was not as great as I thought I was and, and all these things. Fast forward, long story short, I uh, got called to come to Get Well, and I was so frustrated with God. I was so frustrated with the Methodist Church. I was so frustrated with ministry, I was actually looking for a way out. And most of you may not know the story, but when I met with the team that was interviewing me, I was so not interested in the job, I told them for an hour why they did not want to hire me. And little did I know, and I was just brutally honest, little did I know that all the things that I was telling them about why they did not want to hire me were the things that get what I was looking for. And so if I had tried to get the job, I probably would not have gotten it. So God brings me here, and I was like, okay, it's a fresh start, new start. And halfway through my first year, we had a consultant that had this bright idea to do an anonymous survey through the church. And I don't know if y'all remember that. It was 2013. The church did an anonymous survey. And here's the thing about me. Uh, I am naturally wired to be an extreme introvert. I, I, I recharge by being myself. I like books. I, I like to be, you know, alone. I like to go to the gym by myself and put my headphones in, like, uh, you know, that's, that's where I recharge. And ministry is not, you know, a solo job. And on this survey, guys, I got obliterated. I mean, y'all, maybe some of you, I don't know. You, I got destroyed. And it was like, you know, Jonathan is, he doesn't care. He's not personable. He's, you know, arrogant. And all these things. And I went to Bill and I was like, I think I'm done. Like, I think this is ministry is not for me. And he was like, you know, and we, we talked through it and prayed through it. And, you know, he, he helped me walk through and see, like, I've got to take what's true and, and pray through it and repent and deal with it and take what's not true and throw it out. And God really wrestled through that. And he had some lessons to teach me. One of the lessons he taught me, and I tell our team this all the time, is every interaction you have with a person is an opportunity to bestow worth. And I was missing that among many lessons. And, and God had to work on me. You know that, what? That was a very uncomfortable season, <laughs> to say the least. And, and I was ticked off with God for about that two-year time period. And I did not realize that if God did not put me through those things, I was never going to grow. 
I was never going to be shaped. I was never going to listen to him. But God was doing a good thing. I just didn't realize that the good thing was that I needed to be shaped in the likeness of his son. And you may be going through circumstances at your work that you don't enjoy. You know, whether your work's at home or at church or in your neighborhood or in the office or wherever you get paid to do your job. You may be doing some things that, that you're like, man, I don't like this. But God has a purpose in it. And you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to choose his purpose or pleasure? So if you're taking notes, here's the thing is what I think is good and what God thinks is good may not be the same thing. Because God has an eternal mindset. God has a clearer view of me than I do. God knows the future. So here's the question. What does God say is good? And think about it in your life. I hope that you know at least some of the word and that you spend time with God. What does God say is good? And here's the bigger question. Am I resisting that or am I persisting in it? And real quickly, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And Paul had this incredible resume of all these things that he had accomplished, all the things that you know, positioned him for power and authority, respect. And maybe some of you got a, a, a long resume. And Paul says, man, I just, this is all loss. He says, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And you probably heard the, you know, that word, it's refuse or actually something more strong language than that. It's, it's garbage that I make and gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I ask you, in, in your work, when's the last time you did something that required faith? If you want to build faith in your life, you have to do things that require faith, which means there's an unknown uncertainty on the other side. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and here's the part we don't like. And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Are you persisting? Are you pressing on to take hold of me? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. I press on. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Am I persisting in faith in the ways of God, even when it means a death to me? Well, it might be a death to my ego. It might be the death of an opportunity. It might be death to the path that I thought that I needed to follow and laid out for my career or my relationships. Am I persisting in faith to say, God, my life is yours. And even when it's uncomfortable, especially when it's uncomfortable, God, I need you to work in me that what you say is good is that I'd be made like Jesus. So it's a choice. It, it is ultimately a choice. So if you're taking notes there, choose to see the truth. 
Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. I hear people say, well, follow your heart. And I was like, no, don't follow your heart. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, do not follow your heart. The heart is deceitful. It's wicked. We need to follow God and his word and his truth and, and engage him in prayer. Or Romans 8, 23 and 24 talks about how we're groaning. Our bodies are groaning for God's kingdom to come. Because we, we're living in this tension of our hope that we have that we, we haven't seen fulfilled and the sin that lives within us. And, you know, Paul says, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do and I'm not doing what I want to do. But thank, thanks be to God, Jesus is the answer. He's the Savior. He, he's redeeming me. But i got to choose that. i got to choose to surrender to him. And, and what I've learned in life, and it's probably true of you too, is I do not drift toward the truth. I drift toward what's comfortable. I drift toward what's easy. I drift towards pleasure. I have to be choosing the truth. And, and don't be fooled. The enemy knows our hearts, our behaviors, our past. He knows what we drift toward. And we're going to talk about this in, in September on the spiritual world that we live in. On Sundays, and I hope you'll come for that. But guys, don't be naive. Don't take this lightly. Do not think like, well, I can handle the devil. Like, no, you cannot. Jesus can. And the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world, but do not be flippant about it, or he will take you out like you're nothing. And so we don't, we've got to choose to see the truth, which means we've got to reject the lies. And here's some lies. We have lies that work in our, lie, in, in our mind when we're not seeing the significance of our work. And what if Marvin, you know, had just checked out and be like, that's not my job. I'm just supposed to, do, you know, put out tomatoes. If we're not seeing the significance of the platform that we have, there's a lie at work. Lies are at work if we're not seeing where I need to develop or work harder. If you think you've arrived you probably need to wake up. We have lies at work if we're not seeing where we need help. We have lies at work if we're not seeing where we have gifts and abilities to serve. You know, when, when I come across a believer that says, you know, I, I just don't have anything to offer, I immediately know that the enemy is lying and they've agreed with a lie. So we've got to stop choosing the lies and choose the truth which means for us that we've got to, if you're taking notes, choose to stop settling for substitutes. Th this should be alarming because if you look around the world right now, we see, I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 1, we see this being lived out today, and it should be alarming because sometimes we see it being lived out in our own hearts. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. For although they knew God, every man in here knows God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. 
Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. God is, is a loving God. But there comes a point when I choose the lies over truth enough, especially in the work that he's given us, there comes a point where he will turn me over to my mess. We are all kinds of substitutes when, when we don't see the significance, the purpose, the meaning of our work, when we're not willing to submit to the refinement in our work. Maybe it's you've turned into a, a workaholic. You've checked out on your family. You get that validation at work that you don't get at home. Maybe somebody in this room is an alcoholic. You, you come home from work and there's so much stress, you just, you're a functional alcoholic. You drink every night. Maybe it's you've turned to women. Maybe you've even turned to your wife to, to be a substitute. You're not treating her as an equal but as an object to serve you. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it could be laziness. You know, like, I'm just going to coast. Nobody sees me anyway. I'm not getting that promotion. I'm just going to just check it in, come in every day, do the bare minimum. Maybe it's I'm cutting corners with your customers or your product or your service. Or maybe compromising your integrity or your values for better pay or more power or that promotion. Or maybe you just you stay out of the fray. There, there are things happening at your work that you know are not right, but rather than standing up for what's right, you just rather take the easy way and stay out of it. We can't continue to do this. Because when we are unwilling to choose to step into the truth that by definition puts us in a hard place, because God's goodness is to make us like Jesus and we don't drift toward that, so we have to painfully experience that, when we do that, we are missing out on eternal rewards. You might get into heaven by the skin of your teeth, like all of us will, if we believe in Jesus. But you're missing out on rewards, and even more, you're missing out on his purpose for your life. And, and I don't want to live that way. So we're going to close out. Uh, you've got some table discussion questions there. Three questions uh, I encourage you to spend some time on. Uh, what am I experiencing is frustration with my work that God may intend for my refinement? In what ways am I substituting God's intended growth in my life for cheap and temporary pleasure? And what can I do right now to let God bring refinement in my life through my work? Why do I need to walk with, uh, who do I need to walk with me in this? And then the most important of all, will I actually do anything about it? So spend some time at your tables in discussion uh, five or ten minutes, and then we'll close out.